0: Jesus is alive. The story didn't begin with joy and with happiness. The story began with loss. You know how the disciples, how the women who watched Jesus die, saw on Friday their hope of a savior, a redeemer, their hope of a Man who would deliver them from the oppression of the Romans. They saw him die on a cross. They also saw this man, Jesus, buried in a tomb. There was great loss for them. Here was one they had hoped would bring. Redemption to their nation. I think it's hard for us to understand how much they desired to live in freedom. And live to be able to worship as they wanted. And not to have a foreign country oppressing them and ruling their lives and telling them what to do. They had read in the Old Testament the promises of a messiah a promise of a deliverer, one who would rule like King David had ruled before, in peace, prosperity, in closeness to God. They desired that with all their heart, and they had thought Jesus was the one. But now he was dead in a tomb. Not only did they have hope for the Lord to do something great in their day, They were personal friends of Jesus. And you know this heartache. When a loved one, someone close to you, dies. There is grief, sorrow. And that is what these disciples were going through. Mark 16.10 says, She, referring to Mary Magdalene, went and reported to those who had been with him, listen, as they were mourning And weeping. When it was evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. They were afraid. They were weeping. They had lost the one they loved and the one that they had hoped would bring a military victory to their country. The disciples on the road to Emmaus had said of them and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one about to redeem Israel. Do we hear their disappointment? There was grief, disappointment, sorrow. This had not turned out as they had hoped. They had lost the one that they loved. You know what it is to be afraid, to feel loss, feel sorrow, especially at the death of someone. When someone dies, we no longer can be with them. We can't have a conversation with them, sing with them, rejoice with them, do things with them. When someone dear to us we love dies, there is a hole in our soul. There is an emptiness. There is a place where they were in our lives and it's gone. That's what Jesus' followers felt that Friday, that Saturday. And for us who also feel that, we know what they were going through. And when we're going through that, it hurts. But then there was some news that brought a a little bit of hope. You see, there was an empty tomb. But at first, all the news was about an empty tomb. There was an explanation of why the tomb was empty. But there was no proof that this explanation was accurate. You see, first there were soldiers who saw this tomb emptied because they saw the angel roll the stone away. They didn't know why. They didn't know what was going on. But they saw that a stone had been rolled away in the tomb that they were guarding. They were guarding the tomb of Jesus, his body there in it, and now it was gone. The tomb was empty. Also, the women who came that morning, they had come to anoint Jesus' body with burial spices. They had come expecting to find Jesus dead wrapped in burial cloths. They did wonder how they were going to remove the stone that was there but they had gone in so much grief and so much desire to show their love for the Lord that they really hadn't thought about the practical implications of a stone and soldiers there at the tomb. But when they got there they didn't have to worry about rolling a stone away because it was gone. It had been rolled away and there was an angel who told them what had happened? In fact, ask them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? I shared in the cemetery, I love that phrase and I love to explain it every year. When you want to go see me or go see one of your friends or your family, do you usually go to the cemetery to find them? I hope you don't go looking in the cemetery for me. We don't go looking for our friends in the cemetery because they're alive. Cemeteries aren't for living people, they're for dead people. So the question, why, ladies, have you come to a cemetery to find someone who's alive? It was illogical. The angel says, He is risen. Jesus has risen. Remember, He told you all this was going to happen. He was going to be handed over. He was going to be uh, crucified. He was going to raise from the dead on the third day. I mean, He's told you this stuff, and now it has happened. But again, at this point, there's a tomb, and there's an explanation... But there's no concrete proof. Peter and John are told by Mary, the tomb is empty. They run to go see for themselves. When they get there, they find exactly what Mary said. The tomb was empty. And even the burial cloths that Jesus was wrapped in were there. That's strange, isn't it? They expected to find Jesus. They'd heard an incredible story that he wasn't there. So they went to investigate themselves. And what they'd been told was true cloths, but no Jesus, no body. What did it mean? Well, they'd been told what it meant. But still there was hope mixed with doubt. There was no proof that this had happened. Uh, The women went and told all the disciples... And told them the news, Jesus is alive. But again, they hadn't seen Jesus. The news sounded incredible. The news sounded impossible. There was hope, but no proof. The disciples that were walking on the road to Emmaus. In fact, they got to walk with Jesus, although they didn't know it was Jesus at the time. And again, we heard, as I read earlier, that they had heard the news. They had heard an empty tomb. They had heard Jesus is alive. They had heard the report, but they themselves had not seen Jesus. And it became obvious as they were talking to Jesus that they'd heard these things, but there was some doubt that that was really true. Remember, they were discouraged. They had hoped Jesus was going to deliver them from the Romans, and it hadn't happened, and now he's dead. But we heard this news that he's alive, but there was no joy there. Uh, That evening, the disciples told Thomas, Thomas, Jesus is alive. Thomas said, I'm not going to believe it. Not till I see the holes, the scars in his hands and touch his side where the spear went into him. Until I see it, until I touch it, I'm not going to believe. Do you see what's happened? There's been wonderful news proclaimed. There's evidence that Jesus is not dead. He's not in the tomb. It's empty. It's empty. There's been an explanation. But the response to that has been underwhelming, to say the least. The soldiers went and lied about it. They went to the religious leaders and said, hey, we got a problem here. You, know, the, the, uh, you told us to guard this tomb and to guard Jesus' body so the disciples wouldn't come and steal his body. Well, the disciples didn't come, but this angel came and now the tomb is empty. There is a big problem. They came up with a lie and paid the soldiers money to proclaim the lie. The lie was this. The disciples came and stole the bodies while the soldiers were asleep. And I've always chuckled at that. Have you ever given testimony to what's happened when you're asleep? That's what the testimony was. When we were asleep, this happened. Okay. I don't know how you know that, but that's your testimony. So it was a lie, obviously. And even the lie makes no sense. You can't testify to what happened when you're asleep. But that's the testimony. They lied. That was their response. Mary, when she heard that the tomb was open... She cried. There wasn't any joy. There were still tears because she thought the gardener had come and taken his body away. An empty tomb, but to her there was no living Jesus. The women were afraid when they heard the news from the angel, they were amazed, they were perplexed. Uh, the, Peter, when he went and saw the empty tomb, were told that he was amazed. The disciples, when they heard, didn't believe. They thought the women were speaking nonsense. And when Thomas heard, he doubted the news he heard. So I would give all of these disciples and these uh, women and the soldiers a big fat F when it came to seeing the tomb and hearing the reason, but then believing, doubting, being afraid, amazed, perplexed, lying about it, but... There was no joy, there was no belief, there was no... And we look at them and say, well, we would have done differently. You know, if it had been me, well, I would have done a lot better than that. Well, would we have? (laughs) I, I don't know. You see, they were told to believe something with really very little evidence. There was some evidence. There was an empty tomb. But they were told something that was really in their minds, unbelievable. How could you believe it? Someone who was dead is now alive. Well, we look back and say, well, yeah, duh, you should believe it. I mean, didn't Jesus raise people from the dead himself? He raised a little girl to life. There was a widow whose son died and Jesus raised him to life. Not too soon before these events happened, Jesus raised Lazarus to life. Don't you think they should have remembered? Hey, the dead can come back to life. Jesus himself did it. Also, like the angel said, this was the plan all along. This wasn't a, shouldn't have been a surprise to any of them. Jesus told them three times. Not once, not twice. Three times, because we usually have to hear it more than once. He said, the chief priests, I'm going to be handed over to them. They are going to crucify me, but on the third day, I'm going to be resurrected. He told them three times. The angel told the women, this is what's happened, and he told you it was going to happen. It's still doubt, unbelief, and we wonder why. Well, I think it's because we as humans usually have a faith that's very small, even as Christians at times it takes a lot of faith. It takes a strong faith to believe the impossible. And that's what they were really told to believe. I challenge you when you read the Word of God and God says something that sounds impossible, to have the faith to believe it. When God reveals something to you in your life or He tells you something maybe to do or something He's going to do for you, but it sounds amazing, <laughs> but unbelievable, it sounds exciting, but unbelievable, to have the faith that the disciples, the women, didn't have at that time. Believe it. God has done, will do, and is doing the impossible. He's done it in the past. He's doing it in our midst. He's going to do it in the future. Never put God in a box and say he can only do this he can't do this in my life. He can't do that in your life. He can't do this in the, on this planet. Don't say that. God can do anything. And He has done the impossible. Have faith. Now, you all know the story. That it went from sadness to a hope that maybe something has happened. To Jesus appearing to the women, to the disciples, to Thomas. And then everything changed. When Jesus appeared, the sorrow turned to joy. The doubting turned to worship. The fear turned to following. You know how the story goes. Jesus is alive. Mary clung to Jesus. Once she realized Jesus was right there with her. She was crying. She was weeping. She thought the gardeners had taken Jesus' body. But then Jesus says to her, Mary, she heard her Lord call her name. And then she knew Jesus is alive. And she went from weeping to clinging. She did not want to let Jesus go. There he was. Jesus said, let go of me, Mary. (laughs) Let go. Jesus hadn't finished His work. He still had to go see some other people. He still had to spend 40 days with them. He still had to teach them, to prepare them, to go. Mary, I haven't returned to the Father yet. Don't cling to me. Instead, He gave her a mission. Go and tell. And you'll see this theme Every time Jesus appears, you go and tell the disciples that I'm alive. When Jesus did meet the women who were at the tomb, remember they were there, they got a message from the angel, Jesus is alive, but they didn't see Jesus then. But we're told to Matthew as they were going to tell the disciples, then Jesus appeared to them. And what did they do? They went down to his feet and they worshiped him and they were filled with joy. They had a short amount of time between the news from the angel and meeting Jesus face to face, and their fear and perplexment and amazement quickly changed to joy and to worship. When Jesus finally came to the disciples, they had been told by the women, but they didn't believe. But Jesus then did appear to them, and then their fear turned to joy. He was there with them. What they had heard was true. When Thomas, a week later, finally saw Jesus, his doubt went from, I'm not going to believe it till I see it, to my Lord and my God. What a change in attitude that was when he saw the Lord. Now notice also, as I said, when they saw Jesus, fear turned to joy, their amazement turned into worship, Their doubting turned into devotion. But also all of them went and told what they had heard, what they had seen. The angel was the first one to speak. The angel told the women, Don't be afraid because I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for He has risen just as He said. Come and see the place where He lay. So the angel told the news to the women. The women also went and told the disciples. So, departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. The disciples on the road to Emmaus, they finally realized when it was revealed to them that they had been talking to Jesus all along. So the first thing they did was they ran back to Jerusalem and told the disciples. Luke 24 says, That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road. And the disciples, Jesus told them in Matthew 28, Go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe what I have told you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And in the book book of Acts, Jesus also tells them this right before He returns to the Father and goes to heaven. He tells them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And if you read the book of Acts, that's exactly what they did. They started proclaiming in Jerusalem, Jesus is alive. Then Samaria, Jesus is alive. Judea, Jesus is alive. All over the world, Jesus is alive. That was really the essence of their message. I think sometimes we forget. We almost think of the resurrection as an afterthought. I don't know why, maybe because the account in the gospel of Jesus' his passion, of his sacrifice, of his death on the cross takes up so many more chapters, and the resurrection less. I don't know why, but it seems like sometimes only at Easter do we talk about Jesus is alive. But that's the whole point. If Jesus isn't alive, then all the other stuff is meaningless. And so the disciples, when they went throughout the Roman Empire proclaiming the gospel. The essence of their message was this Jesus that you crucified is alive. They went and they told. Jesus is alive. What does it mean for us? It means that our sins are forgiven. We are sinners deserve to die ourselves and spend hell, eternity in hell. That's what we deserve. But Jesus said, I love you. I will die for you and die for your sins. But all that would have been talk. Jesus could have said anything he wanted. And all of us die. So his talk and his death in and of itself, if that was all it was, would be meaningless. Pastor Brady had mentioned this earlier in our resurrection service in the cemetery. Paul tells us, if for this life only, if Jesus hasn't been raised for the dead, Paul says, you're all dead in your sins. We have no hope. So the whole important piece of it is Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, everything he said he was going to do, die for our sins and give us eternal life, can happen and is true. So because our Lord is alive, our sins are forgiven and we will be resurrected. That, that is the wonderful promise of the Lord, that we, yeah, we're going to die, But we don't have to be afraid of death. If we are Christians, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we die, Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We will be in His presence immediately. And there's going to be a resurrection day when all of the dead in Christ will be resurrected from their graves. Our bodies will be changed from these weak, Decaying, sin filled, old, to a glorious, new, eternal body. That is the promise of the Lord. And His proof of His promise is He Himself was resurrected from the dead. That means we can live each day without fear because God keeps His promises. Every promise he made in the past, he's kept, especially this most important one. I will be handed over. I will die, but I will be resurrected. And we don't have to fear this life. This world is not our home. It's filled with discouragement. It's filled with sin. It's filled with tragedy. It's filled with disappointment. Brothers and sisters, don't allow that to discourage you and bring you down. That's what Satan wants to do with our world that's around us. He wants to use all of that disappointment and depression and tragedy. He wants to use it to paralyze Christians with fear, to paralyze us with doubt, and to paralyze us with despair. But don't allow Him to. Because Jesus is alive, each and every day, no matter what we're going through, our lives can be filled with joy. They can be filled with hope. They can be filled with an expectation of our future that is more than we can even think or imagine. A future with the Lord. So don't let this world get you down. And finally, Jesus commands us like He did to the angel, he did to the women, He did to the disciples. Y'all go and tell everyone that I am alive. We as Christians... As we should, each Easter, we get dressed up, we get fed up with food, <laughs> we get uh, come to church. And you know, before COVID hit, you know, every church would have twice as many, sometimes three times as many people on Easter Sundays as they do any other Sunday. And that's, some people complain about that. I've always thought that's a great thing. Christians realize the importance of celebrating Jesus' resurrection. So that's why our Christians come to church on Easter. That's wonderful. That's what we should do. But the wonderment of it and the excitement of it. i mean, Even when I woke up this morning, I was so excited for today. Even though I come to church every Sunday. But Easter does have something special about it. We are remembering that Jesus is alive and that we will live forever. But the excitement of it each Sunday, Easter Sunday, the excitement of this morning, whatever you've enjoyed, however you have felt, all of it is wonderful But we're meant to leave here to go tell other people about it. Imagine if the angel just rolled the stone away and went back to heaven. You know, imagine if the women somehow found out what had happened and they just went back home. You know, imagine if the disciples heard Jesus' commands and commission and they just went back to fishing. You know where all of us would be? We'd be in hell because we would have never have heard of Jesus, never heard of the gospel, never heard of His forgiveness. But we have heard it because people told us, who told them, and it goes all the way back to these women and these disciples who first told it that first Easter. And they told it to thousands, who told it to thousands, who now, of course, have been told to billions of people. So it is our responsibility to go and tell other people. We must tell that Jesus is alive. So I challenge you, brothers and sisters, don't be quiet about this good news. Let's go and let's tell it. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to worship some more. I know often when we finish our service, we will quickly sometimes play a song. And I know sometimes it has to be quickly because of our time constraints. You know, people are looking at their words. Sunday school's coming up, pastor. We've got to get going. And so we have two minutes to quickly sing a hymn and get out the door. But this morning, we're going to sing two worship songs together. So it'll take us a little bit longer. And I want you to use this time to reflect on this morning and the truth that Jesus is alive and the command to go and to tell. I hope you will sing with excitement and with joy. I pray that you will leave here today all pumped up and all excited because of what God has done for you. But you won't keep that to yourself. You'll just go blabbing it everywhere and telling the world what the Lord has done for you. So let me pray. Then let's keep worshiping. Let's keep celebrating. Let's keep going out this door and telling the world. Father, we are thankful this morning. Lord, I know I've said that many times already today. Thankful, thankful, thankful. And yes, we are. Lord, we cannot say it enough. We can't live it out enough in our lives. Father, I just, this morning right now, think about all the ways that you have blessed us and all of the gifts that you have given us. The most important being eternal life. And Father, I pray that we would not take those for granted and we would not uh, dismiss those. Those are important and they give us joy each and every day. And I pray, Lord, that also... As we leave here today, we would go and tell the news that you are alive. Father, I pray now you will be pleased as we continue to worship and celebrate. And I pray, Jesus, in your name, amen.